to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. I want to sing it this week. <laughs> but you can't, not no, yet. No, I can't. <laughs> And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecum Swetmuk territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmuk Ulu. Yeah. And we actually have a little bit of Indigenous representation in one of the characters in this week's episode, which is on Netflix's Julie and the Phantoms. Oh, everybody, you have to just watch this show. It's simultaneously very bad and very wonderful. <laughs> yes. I feel like we're going to make a lot of apologies for, oh, well, this show isn't very good, or, oh, this show is for preteens. But honestly, I just so enjoyed watching this. I gobbled it up like candy. Oh, I'm not apologizing. I'm just acknowledging <laughs> that it's clearly not that great a show in terms of its construction. And also, I bawled like a baby for two solid episodes, and mm -hmm. I loved it unequivocally. Yeah, I was telling Brenna off air that I cried nearly all the way through this series just because I found it so cathartic to see people finding joy and finding themselves and finding community through music. I find it very affective, and a lot of these songs really got me in the emotional feels. Yeah, if you want Joe to cry, just uh, have a swelling orchestral soundtrack. He's out. More or less, yeah. <laughs> Okay. But I did some homework because I was assigned some homework, you'll recall. Yes, yes, you were. Yeah, I was, I was. very emphatic. I said, if you're going to mention Jingle Jangle on the <laughs> podcast, Brenna, you have to report back and tell us how it is. Yes. And so I watched it this weekend and it's freaking great. Like, it, is it? Really okay. is. Yeah, it genuinely is. So I did not know what to expect other than the fact that, you know, a new Christmas movie and a musical at that is always going to get my interest. Okay. It's honestly delightful. It's a framed narrative, so it's a story being read to two kids. Mm -hmm. But the story inside the frame is kind of like this Victorian steampunk kind of setting. Right. But an almost entirely black cast. Yes. And it's really kind of wonderful to watch what is such a joyful film taking place in kind of this historical period the film itself is sort of disconnected from geography and time in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. I had heard that, yeah. It's sort of Britain, but a lot of the actors are not doing accents. And it's mm -hmm. sort of Victorian, but obviously, I mean, with the steampunk influence, not. Mm -hmm. And there's something so, I don't know, new for me as a white viewer to see a story of Black joy told in this universe where Black joy is just the default mode like it's really quite remarkable i think mm -hmm. and to have it be such a big title with a big release on netflix and tons of really good reviews is just i don't know i found it very uplifting oh good it's a bit long it's two hours <sighs> also sorry everybody baby groot is home yet again uh mm. with yet another childhood illness <laughs> yep <laughs> He needs to go back to school. Anyway, um, so it's about two hours, which is honestly... It's too long. It's too long. Yeah. But the performances, 201, are phenomenal. Keegan-Michael Key plays this bad guy, or as Baby Groot told me, he's not a bad guy. He's just misunderstood. He's been led astray. And Forrest Whitaker plays the hero of the film. Well, sort of. <laughs> 
And Anna Canoni Rose is phenomenal. Just um, everybody is really, really good. And Madeline Mills, I believe this is her introduction as the young Journey Jangle, who really is the central character. Right. And she's remarkable. Like, we will see very, very interesting things from her, I think. Oh, good. And even the supporting cast, uh, Hugh Bonneville plays this banker who is rooting for Geronicus, which is Forrest Whitaker's character, but ultimately has to be a bank employee. And he's kind of great in his sort of cartoonish complexity with that. And Ricky Martin is the true villain of of the film. Entirely done in motion capture, he plays a doll who comes to life. Oh, was not expecting that. No, and he's he's actually fantastic. Like, he's very scary. This oh. very threatening doll. Okay. <laughs> he's really good. Yeah, Groot found him a lot, actually, and did not finish the film as a result. Okay. But the music is super uplifting, very old school movie musical kind of structure. Yeah, I heard that it almost looked like they could have been filming it on a soundstage, like what you would see a production of A Christmas Carol or something. Yes, absolutely. And then there's all these cool sort of Easter egg-y references to the idea of a reimagined Black-centered steampunk. There's a building, there's like a business on the main street that they dance in front of a lot that's called like True North. And there's all these little kind of cultural references. And yet the film itself is just so primarily interested in this family's success Mm -hmm. and I just really enjoyed it. It's a perfect Christmas movie. It is too long, but like, it's Christmas. When you're not going anywhere, it's sort of perfect. There we go. Yeah, Yeah, what a delightful way to usher in the holiday season. It sounds like it got you into the holly jolly mood, or maybe the jingle jangle mood. (laughs) Yeah, the title is terrible. Like, it really shouldn't be called jingle jangle. But once you get past that, it's a really delightful little picture. I highly recommend it. Oh, nice. Okay. So I'll confess, I haven't really done a ton of homework. I did want to update folks and say that I have begun reading I Killed Zoe Spanos, which was a book that I highlighted in one of the forecasts. Again, what is time? Who can even say? Yeah. This is the one with the girl who goes to become a nanny in the Hamptons for the summer for a very rich family, and she is eventually accused of manslaughter in the death of a girl who has gone missing six months earlier, and it follows her story in a framing device set in the present as she's kind of being booked and processed, as well as what actually happened And there's another character who is a teen podcaster who reports on the story. Now I remember. Yeah, it's the podcasting angle that we were initially quite taken with. Mm -hmm. I'm not very far into it, probably about 100 pages. It's very compulsively readable. I don't know that it's going to be too surprising. Like there's a lot of things where you read it and you think, okay, that's red herring. Okay, that's going to be important later on. I'll make a note of that kind of thing. So it's enjoyable, but it's not breaking the mold in too many new ways. Yeah, that was kind of what I expected. And I'm excited to hear how you finish up. I do have one follow up from one of our preview episodes. Okay. And, And that is that, Joe, I don't know if you've seen the reviews of the Saved by the Bell reboot. I saw that they were surprisingly good, but I also don't know if people are just giving things a pass now. Apparently, it's um, a very self-aware satire of teen TV shows. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I might make you check it out with me because (laughs) somebody disagrees. I like Groot's delight. (laughs) He's, 
he's watching a little media property we should all keep our eyes on called Number Blocks, which as you can hear, it's pretty great. <laughs> Don't know what that is. Don't no. know that I want to know. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the main event today, Joe. Julie okay. and the Phantoms. So yeah. Good. What are you doing in my mom's studio? We're just three ghosts, and we're really happy to be home. This is just too weird. You have the power to move people. That's a gift no musician would ever turn down. I think this is my thing. She's legit. With a new lead singer, this band would be legendary. So you want to join the band? Grab a guitar. We got work to do. Give it up for Julie and the Phantoms! Why have you been keeping those cute boys a secret? They're ghosts. When we play together, people can see them. She drops in unannounced to upstage me with her little hologram act? What was that? We need to do our unfinished business so that we can cross over. I suggest you accept my offer because the clock is ticking. We don't have a lot of time. I can't do this without you. Everyone can see the way you look at her when you sing. You are the most watchable duetters I've ever seen. We both know how it feels to lose our moms. We were brought together for a reason. To help each other. What are you waiting for? This is your time. So Julie and the Phantoms, obviously we should acknowledge that this is an adaptation of a Brazilian series of the same name. That show ran for two seasons. I was telling Brenna I tried to do a little bit of digging into it to get a sense of whether this is capturing the same tone or the same narrative structure. Couldn't really find much on Wikipedia. So if other folks have experience, it apparently did play on Nickelodeon. So I don't know if North American audiences had a chance to watch this or if really this American version is our first introduction to it. Yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody who's seen the original. I, I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. Because this one does feel quite Hollywood in mm-hmm. some ways. And of course, by Hollywood, I mean Vancouver. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So this is run by Dan Cross and David Hodge, but it is executive produced and primarily directed by Kenny Ortega. Only Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega. You can see the high school musical DNA all over this. So for folks who don't know, Kenny Ortega started his career as a choreographer primarily. Mm-hmm. And he's choreographed some of the most important films of our time, including yeah. Pretty in Pink, mm-hmm. Dirty Dancing, yeah, and... Newsies. There we go. So he's really important to me, not just for High School Musical, which I adore, but also for Newsies, which I equally adore. And I just, every time I think about anyone involved in Newsies, and I just think about how Christian Bale has maintained that he did not know he was in a musical when he was cast, I just like to imagine what that set experience was like. (laughs) Just give us a little dance, Christian. We're going to film it. No, it's not a musical. Can you 
imagine? Oh my god, I just he love it. He's a liar. He is a liar. He's absolutely a liar. <laughs> so Kenny Ortega has recently become most famous for his role in High School Musical, but he also did Hocus Pocus. He's quite a mainstream director. We did an episode on Hocus Pocus for the horror queers and went a little bit into his past. And he's had a very fascinating history as a very out gay man in mm. Hollywood. And he's been unapologetic about it for his entire career. So I quite like that. And I feel like you can again see some of that DNA in the character of particularly Alex, who is the drummer in Julian the Phantoms, played by mm -hmm. Owen Patrick Jainer. Just what a refreshing depiction of a queer teenager. You know, I look at his his oeuvre kind of across the board. And although he's worked in a bunch of different genres and he's worked like he's does he's done music videos and concert films and stuff. Mm -hmm, like he's been mm -hmm. kind of all over the map. But there's this through line of content that is very, I think, primarily appealing to teen and young adult women. I think that's yeah. a huge component of his appeal, but also this very inclusive kind of world building that he does. And you know, it's not always successful, right? Like the queer yeah. representations in High School Musical have rightly been critiqued, particularly 15 years on from that mm -hmm. film first coming out. But at the time, I think some of those characters were a really kind of shocking arrival on the Disney Channel, right? And so I yeah. think about the ways in which he has pushed boundaries within the confines of commercial filmmaking and i find mm -hmm. it really interesting because there's obviously always a tension there there is yeah and i've actually found documentation about the experiences of writing i don't watch high school musical so i don't know the character's names but it's the one boy who frequently wears a hat and i think yes. spends time with sharpay yes anyway ryan i believe I believe okay. his name is ryan i'll go with it <laughs> So that character is very deliberately queer-coded, but Kenny Ortega made a deliberate decision to not out the character. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference that time allows, right? So at that time, Ortega probably could have pushed it and made Disney get comfortable with the idea. But what we've ended up seeing is that figure, like that character in High School Musical was very important. And apparently many queer youth found that representation, even if it wasn't explicitly stated. And that character has become very important to a lot of people. But what I feel like we see is the evolution of that character into someone like Alex in Julie and the Phantoms, where it's just not a big deal. Like we don't need to make it an after school special. It doesn't need to have a big coming out. It's just this is one aspect of this character in the same way that Reggie is a bit dumb. Well, and what's interesting too about the queer coding and the queer performativity in this particular series is that I would say Reggie is actually the more queer coded of the two. Yeah, a little bit, huh? Yeah, and when there is a sort of romantic moment between two of the guys it doesn't involve alex at all right it's mm -hmm. the lead singer whose name is this. luke is trying to make a point about chemistry and clearly has a little bit of an effect on reggie right and there's mm -hmm. this sort of constant i don't know alex is actually the more assertive in his 
traditional masculinity than the other two in a way that yes. I find really interesting and sometimes grating, but mostly just fascinating. <laughs> yeah, he's he's prone to making uh, declarative statements about his feelings and how no one pays attention to him. Yeah. But it's also, there's an assertiveness that was yeah. unexpected, particularly when the character is introduced as, oh, you just spent the last 25 years crying. I was really worried in that first episode, thinking that Alex was going to be this very effeminate weak character and there's nothing wrong with that kind of depiction but it is more what we're used to seeing yeah so a character like alex did feel like a breath of fresh air to me we haven't actually told people what this show is about joe no we have not <laughs> so do you want to take a stab or do you want me um, I will start and you can fill in my blanks. So Sounds good. Julie and the Phantoms is a musical comedy drama, nine episodes, um, about a girl named Julie who loves music but has sort of fallen away from it since the death of her mother. Right. And when rehearsing in the garage space that was so important to her mother as a music studio, she discovers three ghosts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they are the ghosts of a band from 1995. Yep. Who oh died gosh. eating hot <laughs> Makes dogs. Makes me feel so old. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, anyway, they died eating hot dogs. And they were just about to play the biggest gig of their lives. And what is miraculous about this experience, beyond what I've already said, is that when Julie plays music and the boys join her, everyone can see them. It's the only time that everyone can see them. Yes. And so this starts what can only be described as a meteoric rise for this young band. <laughs> Holy cow, they achieved fame so quickly. I thought, save some story for season two if you get it. <laughs> two million views on YouTube apparently makes you a world famous band. I will allow it because <laughs> I don't have two million hits on anything. Anyway, it's very, very charming. And there's sort of a percolating love story that is obviously very complex between Julie and Luke on account mm -hmm. of Luke is dead. Yep. And also because she's had the hots for Nick, her school chum, yes. who is in a relationship with her arch nemesis, Carrie. Yes. And Carrie and Julie used to be good friends until Julie's mom died and Julie pulled away. Yes. Instead, Julie's true best friend is Flynn, mm -hmm. a young woman who really encourages her to pursue music, even once she finds out that it involves ghosts. Sure. And there is, of course, a loving dad, a bossy aunt, and mm -hmm. a sneaky little brother to round yes. out the cast. And then a couple of additional important characters. So there is a love interest for Alex named Willie, who is played by Bobo Stewart. That was the indigenous Japanese Chinese character that I was mentioning earlier. And he is also an errand boy. So he is a ghost, much like the three members of Sunset Curve. And he leads them to Caleb Covington, who is played hugely over the top and campy by Cheyenne Jackson. Yes. Yeah. That's our cast. Mm -hmm. It's a great little show. And, you know, it's really centered on julie's growth as a character and how these other folks kind of fall into helping her to heal from the death of her mom so it actually mm -hmm. is as joe and i have said way more emotionally impactful than well than i was expecting i'll say yes i feel like we were properly warned because of course this was a request that came through from both max and andrew mm -hmm. and this me paraphrasing broadly from two different emails they said that the series really surprised them in terms of how emotionally effective it is and how well done it is. And also the music is banging. The music is kind of great. 
<laughs> also extremely cheesy, but it's kind of great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if this was not your kind of music, this would probably be a very grating nine episodes because the music sequences, like in a proper musical, really come to dominate. So every episode will have a minimum of one full song, sometimes two, sometimes even three. There's one episode that literally opens with a high school musical-esque full-blown number throughout the entire school with extras and it's really quite fascinating to behold Mm -hmm. and overall i think the series is just really good at capturing the important role that music plays in people's lives but also how it can be used as a coping mechanism or a tool to help people through challenging times yeah totally agree so do you want to talk about the episode that made you cry oh there's this episode where Julie and Luke have really bonded over their shared loss of their mother, although in very different circumstances. So we know Julie's mom has passed away. Luke's mom is still alive. Luke obviously is the one who's passed away, but they had a big fight just Mm -hmm. before his death and he left home and he had not been able to, or he had not made the effort yet to make up with his mom before he died. Mm -hmm. And so Julie visits his mom and gives her a song that Luke had written about his mom. Then they perform the song Mm. and there's a montage of what it was like for her when, when Luke left and then what it was like for her when Luke died. And I wept and wept. (laughs) I went downstairs after I watched that episode and I was like still sniffling. And Devin was like, are you okay? I was like, my show made me cry. And he's like, what's your show? And I was like, it's about a girl who sings in a band with teenage ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) Uh, I was like, I need chips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's really my big takeaway. This isn't the kind of thing where I'm going to encourage folks to check it out because it's really got something big and important to say. But I don't want to say it's a quiet and gentle show because it's often quite loud, quite broad. almost caricature-ish in some of these plot developments like you know the idea of being trapped playing the hollywood ghost club for the rest of your lives in fancy get-ups for all of time it's like okay this is a little ridiculous Mm -hmm. and yet the show also has these moments of extremely powerful emotional beats and Mm -hmm. i really came to care about these characters like So there's repeated inferences where the boys are being seduced by this Caleb Covington character or that they're forgetting about Julie because they have to go and see their old band member who ended up repurposing all of their music and getting famous off of it. And of course, that ends up being Carrie's dad, Julie's nemesis. And these moments where it seemed like Julie might have to go on stage alone or not go on stage at all. I was like, boys, how could you do this to Julie? Julie needs you. Do you not know what she's (laughs) going through right now? I just find myself getting so wrapped up in these ridiculous shenanigans. Me too. I also (laughs) really love, you know, as broad and ridiculous as some of the scenes are, I really love the relationships and how they're developed. I absolutely adore the relationship between Julie and her dad. Yes. Also, The actor who plays Julie's dad is extremely handsome. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, find him to be extremely yeah. handsome. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, I'm more of a child predator, and I was mostly interested in Luke's arms because <laughs> he is frequently shirtless <laughs> or wearing, like, tank tops. Also, quick shout out to the actor who plays Luke. That is uh, Charlie Gillespie, and he is from Dieppe in New Brunswick. Really? Yeah. Aw. 
Love that. Because as we mentioned, this show is aggressively Canadian. Oh my god. So, number one, that high school that they're performing in, I'm 98% sure that's New West Secondary School. Okay. It looks very familiar. It's that sort of purple and uh, blue paneling on the side is sort of distinctive. Mm -hmm. But more to the point, (laughs) the the stretches that I guess are supposed to be like Sunset Boulevard Boulevard. or something (laughs) are very clearly the Granville Strip. And those stars that they're walking on, like sometimes they make the effort of putting the Hollywood stars down, like the Walk Mm -hmm. of Fame stars. But sometimes those are the local Vancouver Walk of Fame stars. Right. (laughs) And in my absolute favorite part, there's this army surplus store, like literally right next door to the Orpheum. Mm-hmm. that has this like soldier out front like statue and okay. it's still dressed in like it's canadian garb like they didn't even set dress it to be an american no. who brand. could bother oh who could bother it's so great and the orpheum is such a downtown vancouver landmark with that giant sign and everything and it's like oh it made me laugh so hard you can see the vogue down the street it's like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just so granville street yeah And no one has tried to hide any component of it. They just feel like if they say Hollywood often enough, we'll just buy it. And you know what? We do. Sure. Because you know what? (laughs) If you can't suspend your disbelief, this is absolutely not going to be the show for you. (laughs) I love the idea that somebody in production was like, "Um, this is a show about a ghost band. We're going to not worry about the realism of the set. Is everybody cool with that? Everybody good? We're all good? Okay. (laughs) Let's move on. Let's take five and eat one. Yeah. (laughs) And even some of that insanity ends up getting reflected in the scheming of the plot. It is one of the reasons why I'm very curious about the original Brazilian show, because I've seen adaptations of telenovelas that feel larger than life. And I'm thinking of things like Ugly Bettys and Devious Maids and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But just the absolute delight I took every time people would say, how are you doing this? And Julie just kind of looks at them dead in the eye and says, holograms. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part is when Julie's little brother, Carlos, is like, I really want to understand the technology better. And her dad goes, no, you don't. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) He is all of us. No, you don't. It's fine. Just go with it. It's holograms. (laughs) Just go with it. It's Hollywood. And and they make this effort of showing you, because she's got this box that she tells people is the box that's like generating the holograms. Mm -hmm. And they make this point every time the band plays of showing you where the box is located. And I kept thinking like oh carrie's gonna steal the box like carrie's gonna destroy the box and then everybody's gonna know they're not really at hologram but no mm-hmm. nothing ever comes of it nothing no. ever comes of these random close-up shots of this damn box no well okay so maybe <laughs> so charming maybe to bring this to a bit of a close no never we're talking about this show forever <laughs> would you like to see a second season of this I mean, obviously, the ending of the first season, spoiler alert, go ahead and pause the show until you finish watching, but... I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) The ending of the series is patently absurd. Yes. (laughs) Somehow all of their problems have been solved, and the boys, I think, now have corporeal forms. Maybe. Was that what I was taking It's extremely uncertain, but mostly yes. But Carlos has figured out that they are ghosts. So that's the cliffhanger, really, that we end on, is like, what's going to happen now? Well, and because Carrie and her father, a.k.a. the original member of their band, attended the show at the Orpheum, (laughs) he has also realized who they are. By the way, can we talk about the fact that this this club that everybody who plays at becomes like crazy famous and it's like the most important place you could possibly play appears Mm -hmm. to have approximately like capacity for 24 people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
there are more extras in that musical number <laughs> that opens episode four that I was mentioning than there are at this star making theater. Yes, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess the thing I'm most interested in seeing in a potential season two yes. is not to bring it back to Julie's dad again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Brenna, we get it. You're thirsty. <laughs> We haven't seen him sing yet, and I was reading on oh. his Wikipedia that he, in the 90s, had a record deal with Gloria Esteban's son's label, I believe. Oh, wow. Yes, and was like quite the Puerto Rican singing sensation in the late 90s. So wow. I'm excited for the dad to bust out a musical number in season two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say the stuff with her family feels like it's not a drop thread, but definitely like they're planning on building something if they get more episodes. So stuff with yeah. him coming to some kind of realization, whether or not Julie's younger brother Carlos is going to tattle on her or yeah. want to be more involved. And obviously the aunt who feels like she parachutes in for a scene or two and then comes to nothing. She's wildly tacked on. And there's this whole thing in the first episode where you kind of wonder if she's going to be something uh, of a villainous character yes. because she wants them to sell the house and none of mm -hmm. them want to sell the house and then yeah. <laughs> julie's dad is just like how about we don't sell the house and everybody's like yeah okay yeah it's like well that good. was resolved <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> love it yeah just in love with it yes conflicts are introduced and solved with great expediency on the show yes to quote the variety review of the program sure their ghost adventures become very silly very quickly but mm -hmm. who cares <laughs> Indeed. That about <laughs> sums it up nicely. It's honest to God, it's perfect pandemic binging. Mm -hmm. It's emotionally cathartic. Yeah. It's frivolous and silly. It takes mm -hmm. you out of yourself. And it's engaging enough that you don't question any of the kinds of things that we've been talking about. Like we've been talking about how crowd scenes give us anxiety and stuff these days. That doesn't yeah, happen here no. because you're so drawn into what's happening. So mm -hmm. I really recommend it from the perspective of like, this is to me true true escapist television i was going to say escapism yes yeah. absolutely it's just honestly feel good good time you can just unplug your brain get wrapped up in it and then it's over because it's only nine episodes of 30 minutes oh which is our favorite yeah and i may have re-listened to the soundtrack a couple times but <laughs> yeah should we wrap this up with some ya bingo yes because brenna we yeah. have completed the board yeah we sure have we have completed the board we can start to now use it more regularly. Yay! Yay! Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, I have some. Okay, what do you have? I'm going to go with the Forever Young Square for our friend Bobo Stewart. Okay. Because I was reading his bio before we came to air, and uh, that young man played a 15-year-old 10 years ago, and wow. is playing a 17-year-old now. Well, he is dead, so he hasn't aged. No, looks fantastic. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Obviously filmed in the territory now known as Canada, specifically mm -hmm. Vancouver. The show is aggressively of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. It literally didn't matter how many times they said Hollywood, I would never believe no. them. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and obviously magic and the supernatural. Mm -hmm. What do you want to add before I continue to read this? Because it's basically everything on the board. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm going to add good friendships because <laughs> Flynn is so dedicated to Julie that she almost doesn't have her own personality. Strong agree. Yeah. So that's great. I'm going to add in some musicality because this is a freaking musical. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm going to say the chosen one. And I you was going to say back the chosen one. No, I was going to say it. Okay, because it feels like Julie has this power that allows her to connect to the boys, but only she has it. So it's like she is this chosen one that will help to bring some kind of resolution to their problem. We can't forget montage. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I'm going to push for house porn because I love Julie's house and particularly really that gorgeous. studio space. Oh it's my like gosh. This just forgotten garage that is casually perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, it's the size of my apartment, so I could just live in that garage. Yeah, literally the three ghost boys live there together in perfect harmony. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of course, we can't forget that there is a Netflix connection. Of course. Yeah, that's important. (laughs) Hmm. But anything else? That's everything. Oh, actually, nope. There's one more. Borrowed time. Because of course the boys have to make that decision about whether or not they're going to accept Caleb Covington's offer. Yes, that's right. Caleb Covington looks really familiar to me. Who is that actor? So Cheyenne Jackson is a very well-known performer. He's been on a lot of Ryan Murphy shows most recently, but he is like a singer-dancer, famous for Broadway stuff. He's got an aggressively symmetrical face. Mm-hmm. He's also a big old queerio. <laughs> oh, he was on Glee! Okay. Oh, that, yeah, that'll do it as well. <laughs> got it. We're okay. good. Okay. Uh, So, sadly, our first time using the board, we did not hit a bingo. I'm shocked, honestly. I really thought we were going to get a bingo. Uh, We got a lot of squares. They just didn't match up in our formation. Yeah. We'll see. We may have to rearrange this board if it ends up (laughs) I like how uh, transparent you are about your desire for... Oh, 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 there is one more. Oh, is there? Okay. Coincidental classes. It's really handy they have that dance class where they have to learn how to dance at oh, the same time. Mm. Yeah, with the sports boys for some reason. Of course, yeah. yes. I actually did quite like that scene where she fantasizes about dancing with Luke in the mirror. Okay, do you want to hear uh, one of the ways I'm a really inattentive viewer? You completely missed it? I didn't miss that it was happening, but I didn't realize that was Luke. They did his hair really differently. Oh, his hair is aggressively terrible in several of these sequences, including that final dramatic number where he looks like a 40-year-old man. Yes, it's confusing. Mm -hmm. The costuming in this show is also very confusing to me, but I think it just marks me as an old person. (laughs) Because I was like, what are these kids wearing? I liked the um, plaid shirt tied around the waist with a leather jacket over top on reggie i was like yeah that is of its moment oh yeah you yeah. died when that was cool i did love the 1995-ness of the boys yeah so good mm-hmm. all right everybody if you have also watched julie and the phantoms but particularly if you have watched julie eos fantasmas we oh, want to hear from you yes it's hkhs pod on the twitters uh, hashtag hkhs pod Mm-hmm. Or you can send us something longer at hkhspod at gmail.com. Joe, if they want to find you on Twitter, where do they find you? I am at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's gray with an A. And Joe, mm-hmm. we've sort of already teased our next book, but I'm actually really excited about it. I want to correct something I said in the last episode. Okay, so yeah, we are going to be tackling Funny Boy, which is a novel by Sham Salvadorai from 1994, as well as the recently dropped on Netflix in the US, 
Deepa Meta film, Funny Boy, but in Canada it's available on CBC Gem as of December 4th. This book has won significant awards in Canada, but I want to correct something I said in the last episode, which is I said it was an Indian-Canadian story, and it is mm -hmm. a Sri Lankan-Canadian story, so I just wanted to correct that. Yes, and we will, of course, have to touch on the drama around the film adaptation in particular, because it is the source of some controversy with regard to casting of oh, some of its actors and its depiction of Tamil culture. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, second last book of the year, Brenna. Funny Boy. <gasps> funny Boy. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about it, Joe. Speaking of funny boys. There we go. <laughs> Groot comes in with the perfect timing. He's really good, you know. <laughs> Until next time, everybody, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Bye.